0: Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talk Notes After Dark. We're continuing our discussion on the true meaning of Christmas. Joining us tonight is, as usual, Bishop Laney, as well as Father Tony, and our good friend Deacon Jonathan. How are you? <laughs> good. Well, I'm just, I'm just a brother. <laughs> oh. Just a brother. Hey, I just I just promoted you to rank astrally. Thank there you, you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, how shot. You know, we may have uh, you know an issue with a bit. Uh, you know, it's astral. Who cares? So.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens uh, in the astral? Send a new psychic message.
0: Yeah. Psychic deaconship. Uh, okay. Okay. Now to get serious on our subject. You know. um... You know, uh, I think Bishop Laney brought up some great points during uh, our YouTube show, you know, one uh, on the whole entire subject. Um, I really liked some of the points he brought on, Laney, you know, uh, regarding, you know, love being manifest into this earth and everything that represent. I don't know how much of the show you were listening to, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, uh, I'd really like to get some of uh, both your and Father Tony's inputs in some of this.
2: Uh, let's start with Father Tony, because I, 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 I didn't take any notes, and I know he
0: normally does, so... No, he's playing video games while we're doing the show.
1: I am, in fact. <laughs> I flappy-birded the crap out of this episode. Um, I, I just made a verb out of that. That was cool. That uh, is awesome. <laughs> so, I did make a couple of notes. One note that I made was, um... Uh, the the quote from the Gospel of Philip that a lot of Gnostics are are fond of quoting, um, and uh, one of my favorites as well, is that the part of what a Gnostic should be doing is is not trying to be a Christian, but to be a Christ. I'm paraphrasing, uh, and so to, to talk about uh, the you know the incarnational theology versus the you know um, the the nature of Christ and all that stuff, and and whether or not. Uh, Jesus was born as the Christ or whether the Christ descended upon him or whether we all have the potential to be Christ ourselves um but only if we you know do those things that Jesus did uh in order to to become that way so it's uh as as you mentioned during the show there's a very wide variety of opinions on this topic uh, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm reminded of of that one specifically um just you know from a Specifically Gnostic, Valentinian Gnostic point of view.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to say I actually meant to put that quote into the show notes tonight and I forgot. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I could be assured that, uh, that that somebody would bring it up. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, I was no longer strong. a deacon. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: <laughs> Back to a brother, Jonathan.
1: The uh, bishop skimmeth and the bishops take the away. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's uh, the incarnation in Christology is, is something I, I do find very interesting. Uh, and interesting to talk about, you know, um, with with um, people interested in religion or Christians or Gnostics of any stripe uh, late into the night. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, there's uh, I'm going to mangle his his exact grumpy quote, but uh, Father Donald Donato from from the HAC, I, I believe, has said. On a few occasions, something along the lines of, my worst nightmare is to talk theology. You know, to, to sit down and to actually be like, well, you know, Jesus was 50% human, 50% uh, uh, God. It, that doesn't interest me at the end of the day. And uh, I, I believe he does use the phrase nightmare. Um the uh, uh, but, but back to the actual um, show uh, tonight. You know, I, I I too was really struck with uh, with uh, what Bishop Laney was saying and 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 what it must be like for a divine being to to come into this world and, and for pure love to uh, to experience uh, family bonds and Freudian complexes and uh, 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 complex relationships and oppression. Um, and of course, at, at the end of the day, I, I think as Bishop Ken pointed out, that that's also. The, the Gnostic story and, and every human story is that, uh, is that, you know, we are divine beings lost in this world. Perhaps the difference between us and uh, uh, Jesus uh, and with Christ is, is that, you know, uh, unlike us, he, he knew, he knew that he was a divine being uh, uh, in this world. While well, sometimes uh, we need to uh, be reminded of that. Yeah.
1: yeah. We, I've been talking a lot about the, the difference between, Uh, incarnational soteriology and atonement soteriology lately, Mm -hmm. if I'm Mm -hmm. pronouncing those words correctly, because words are hard. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think that in our traditions, we tend to put more, I mean, you know, big words aside, we tend to put more emphasis on the the incarnation as the 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 gateway to gnosis, as opposed to the you know sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that's not really a a big um, a big piece of the puzzle for for Gnostics. I mean, I, it's an important part of the story, um, and and the fact that the rulers of the world, whether you talk about the the king of of uh, Jerusalem or or the uh, um, you know, or the the Roman rulers of, of Israel at the time, of Judea at the time. Uh, the rulers of this world found Jesus' teachings troubling enough to have him killed for it. Um, that's an important part of the story, but that isn't the part for the Gnostics. That isn't the part that leads to Gnosis. The part that leads to Gnosis is Jesus came here and okay. chose to become human uh, in order to teach us how to how to be like him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and of course uh he actually chose wherein we we do not choose. Uh Or we've
1: chosen and we've forgotten.
2: <laughs> or we've yeah. Or we That's we've another point of view. Mm-hmm. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh all uh, learning
1: is remembering.
2: That's right. Yeah. Amnesias um, yeah, no, that's uh, the, I, I think that's very relevant, uh, and that's exactly how it clues into me. And I think it was Bishop Ken who he talked a little bit about that in in the show. You know, in in some ways, Christ's sacrifice was not what happened on the cross. His sacrifice was the incarnation, mm-hmm. which, which I think would be big in our communities. At that, that kind of thought of uh, that that's where the redemption happens. Um. Now, uh, what I wanted to ask you guys, uh, and what I put in the show notes, and, and something I'm kind of interested in, is uh, in—you all have a uh, long experience in the, in the Gnostic movement, probably a, a lot more. Uh, experience in, in Gnostic movements and that a lot of people out there. Well, what are some of the, the Christologies, uh, the thoughts about about Christ that, that you've encountered, you know, uh, among your peers and uh, among clergy and among the people who come to you with questions? Um, yeah. What are, what are some of their ideas about how Jesus is is not uh, is divine or not divine?
3: Well, you know, a lot of the people that I encounter, you know, the question comes up, did Jesus even exist? Right. You know, was there ever a a flesh and blood person uh, who was the the the, the model uh, at the very least the model for the various stories about? Not even talking about uh, the you know whether this whether his words were accurate or or the scriptures were accurate. Whether there was ever actually a person. Yeah, and, the mythicists. Yeah, and and the interesting thing is I've encountered people who believe, you know, who question the existence of Christ. And I've encountered these people uh, in seminary, um, various levels of clergy, as well as among Gnostics and and, and atheists uh, alike. So that is one, one thing, uh, one idea that I've encountered. Now, the interesting thing for me, while I've generally resisted that, I've become more sympathetic, not to the fact that I I actually do believe there was a Jesus, but I've become more sympathetic to the mythological view since I started really studying the Norse myths in depth, since I began to really penetrate the power of myth and and how real it actually is, the reality of the myth. Once you've actually done some work with some of the with mythology, and with those gods, it it can you realize just how incredibly powerful it is. So I've become more sympathetic, even though it's not my view.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would like to. Well, both make a comment and ask a question about that. Um, If uh, I'll, I'll just ask a question all three of you. uh, so, So. Uh, take your turns answering. If uh, if we found out tomorrow that that there had that never been a, a Jesus of Nazareth, would would you just pack it in? So would you stop being bishops and a priest? Go. No. Cool.
1: No. Yeah, it's a no for me too.
0: Yeah, it, it would be no for me as well.
2: Okay, it's also a no for me. So <laughs> I bet you would be a no for for a lot of Gnostics where where the the mythological and I think sometimes that word myth has um, an incorrect and and. Mm-hmm. You know, bad negative baggage in yeah, our culture. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day it's the myth that matters and, and living the myth is, you know, changes lives.
1: That's mm-hmm. come around a lot since the uh since the eighties and since um Joseph Campbell's work. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think people have a have a better understanding of the importance of myth in just human civilization as a whole. Uh yeah. and, you know, now since since that work has, has come out and um you know, since Star Wars and all that stuff. Uh <laughs> has has kind of demonstrated it to people um, in, in, a, in a very real way. Uh, you know, I figure I should yeah. work Star Wars in a couple of times a year, just, you know, keep, it, keep people, you know, remembering the reason for the season, right? Luke Skywalker's uh, birth on Tatooine. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so so an, an interesting kind of complication comes around when you're talking about this subject. Well, <laughs> many, but the one that I'm thinking of right now is... Um, The the pre-existent Christ principle, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something that we talk about in Gnosticism, that there is an Aeon Christ, right? in all of the various Gnostic, uh, well, most of the various Gnostic uh, creation stories, that there is a Christ uh, there. And it goes goes by various names up in the, the Pleroma. And that principle is what comes down into the world of matter and, you know, it... Teaches us, or or saves us, or, or whatever language that you want to use for that. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting part that of the uh, you know the 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 sticky wicket, I guess, comes to, as to whether or not this pre-existent Christ principle came down w- when uh, Jesus was conceived um, of the Holy Spirit, or ordinarily, or however you want to. Uh, look at that, or whether or not the spirit, uh, this uh, Aeon Christ uh, appeared uh, or descended upon Jesus at his baptism, which is a, a, a theological concept that is known as adoptionism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you see a lot of adoption, I don't know about a lot of, but you see more than a little adoptionism in modern Gnostic circles. Uh, and, and I don't think it's incompatible with the Gnostic worldview uh, in any way. And I, I, I obviously, I echo Father Donald's uh, concern that we can get into arguments about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin here, <laughs> but uh, there's a topic. Yeah,
3: right. Yep. So topic,
1: <laughs> but you know, we do a show about Gnosticism and it's our job to, <laughs> to talk about these things. So uh, an interesting conversation that I, I have with people on occasion is, you know, was Jesus divine or I say would was Jesus Christ at birth or was he Christ at his baptism and for the Johannites, it's an interesting conversation because we revere John the Baptist so much mm-hmm. that having him as such an important part of this story uh, you know makes a certain amount of sense i
2: um yeah no i I find it very fascinating uh, a question and to diverge from the moderns a little bit uh, back to to the ancients, back to the second century. I I, I found it very interesting that the second century Gnostics uh, fell into what seemed to be uh, a Two completely different camps. They, are, they were either adoptionists, so you know they believed in a, in a human Jesus who may not have had a, a virginal birth or a miraculous birth, and then uh, at some point in his life, probably his baptism, the aeon Jesus descended on him. Or they, are, they were there were Docetists, uh, believing that that Jesus wasn't human at all uh, and he just uh, appeared in the appearance of, of, of humanity one day. So he's uh, Jesus doesn't poo uh, uh, point of view. Uh, he's completely a spiritual being. Um, so there's those crazy Gnostics for you. One, he's he's very he's very human, and uh, the 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 divine nature happens later in his life, or he's just uh, a completely uh, divine being. Um, and, and I find it very fascinating that uh, that that our ancient forebears kind of fell into one of those two camps. For the most part, of course, they were all over the place, and I think that just kind of speaks to that that Gnostic. Uh, love of paradox uh, and uh, playing with expectations and playing with the theology of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I diverted a little bit from from uh, uh, the, I diverted by about two thousand years, nineteen hundred years from Father Tony's point of what Gnostics <laughs> think right now. So, uh, so I guess I'll bring that back up to to the modern day with that that a- adoptionist view. Uh, what you guys think
3: of it? The, the thing that I would uh, point out, just uh, Father Tony mentioned about you know about John the Baptist being so important to the Jonites and the baptism being kind of an important thing. There also, though, is the story of John the Baptist as a fetus leaping mm. when Mary comes into his mother's Elizabeth's presence. So, in fact, we have John the Baptist from the very beginning. Yeah, with that recognition there too. So I think that's pretty major um mm-hmm. personally so i i would just throw that that throw that in there but uh father i'm sorry bishop ken i interrupted you we we're going to say something
0: no i was just going to say uh you know to kind of answer jonathan's question uh that he gave us all earlier uh, you know kind of the adoption view you know uh, he asked you know what have we experienced but kind of the the adoption type view is probably the one i've Experienced the most um, when I first got involved with the Gnostic Church back in 1984. Um, my bishop at the time, uh, his theology, if you will, was kind of that point of view. One of one of the mysteries of, of the Gnostic Church that is taught during the priesthood um, is, is basically the idea that that uh, um, that the Holy Spirit had descended. The end, you know, Jesus upon Christ upon his baptism, and that it had left Jesus on the crucifixion. So, you know, Christ did not die upon the cross. Um, that was one of our sacred mysteries, which <laughs> I think is pretty common, you know, uh, um, in lots of Gnostic thought. I don't think it's well, a, that, that a particular
1: secret. bit of, of theology is also found in the Quran.
0: Mm-hmm. that
1: mm-hmm. that uh it wasn't Jesus who was crucified that mm-hmm. there was a it was a you know Simon of, of um or what's Simon of what's his face there who carried the cross for him um mm-hmm. yeah. Jesus Jesus gave him the slip and, mm-hmm. and so he got crucified in his place and there are gnostic texts where um Jesus and John I and I can never remember the name of it but Jesus and John are up on the mountainside, and Jesus is laughing because they're crucifying the fake Jesus mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah, Don't, let's not worry about which one it is. Somebody will put it in the comments, I'm sure.
3: And then there's the Monty Python version.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the deep Gnostic wisdom of Monty Python.
3: Hey! There's a show. Yeah. Don't diss Monty Python. No, Pi- no, no, not at all.
2: <laughs> the, uh, sorry, I, I guess Talk Doses After Dark is four diversions, but, uh, Father Tony just reminded me of something else. Um, in in the Jesus story in the Quran, they they actually have the Christmas story, and it and it is the Virgin Birth. Yeah. Uh. And and a lot of people don't realize that, and uh, and a lot of a lot of Muslims uh, do believe it literally, and and I find it kind of interesting in an age where uh, many Christians, many mainstream Christians, uh, particularly those of a progressive bent, would would not be caught dead believing in the Virgin
0: Birth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Actually, I Actually, see an a- interesting uh, new stat. The other uh, day in a survey that had come out, I forget who, but um, they had surveyed modern Christians and I was actually shocked at the percentage who actually do believe in the virgin birth, which was shown at 67%, which I thought was a pretty high number.
1: Well, in, that's about the same birth. percentage of people who who believe in uh, creationism. I mean mm-hmm. like – I don't know if that's just America because I think creationism is more of a – an American uh, – <laughs> an American invention than, yeah. than in other places. Of course it, it's not unique to America, but I was, when I found out that like 60% of Americans believed in a literal creationism, I was a bit surprised, I gotta say. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm less, I, I have, <laughs> I have less of a knee jerk reaction to, uh, a, a, the virgin birth. And I don't know why that is. I, I find that, I don't know, more believable. <laughs> Than a seven-day yeah. creation story,
2: I don't, I don't, I don't poo-poo the virgin birth either. I'm, uh, I, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my the um, and again, I really hate, I, I really hate getting you know hung up on beliefs, right? You know, my beliefs fluctuate, uh, and, and I think sometimes for for Gnostics to to speak, you know, generally, boo. Specific believing specific formulas is, isn't as important. Um, at, at least a virgin birth—it's it, a straight-up miracle—and we we don't know that that it's possible. But we're in something like creationism, we just know it's wrong, right? Like we have the evidence that that the Earth is more than six thousand years old. You know what I mean? Right. So, except that it Jesus
1: was, buried the dinosaur bones to trick. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
2: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So in so I, I see that as as, uh, as a sort of uh you know, kind of a different kettle of fish. I, I can throw my hands up in the air and be like, Okay, you know, maybe there was a virgin birth. Uh, but when it comes to creationism, I, I gotta draw a line in the sand and be like, well we can prove that that that's wrong. So
3: I think that, you know, um as you you point out very well, Brother Jonathan, that there's a difference between a specific incident and something that was pretty massive, the the origins of matter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there, there. There's different sets of evidence. You know, the thing that I would bring up is the thing that I that I've thought about and brought up in the um, in the video show is that we are left, however, with the virgin birth, the problem of what does Jesus's DNA look like?
1: Yeah. Well, if you if you are willing to. Are you willing to grant a miracle in one area? I think you have to be willing to grant miracles in the other areas too.
3: Absolutely, I'm willing to. I'm willing to allow that. But I mean, I think that it is. It is. Um, it, it is a question of okay, what does Jesus' humanity look like? Mm-hmm. You know, we know that even if you could disrupt an egg to start splitting and to you know begin to form, um, you know, a, a, a zygote and an embryo and a fetus. Um, the reality is, is that it would be female because women only carry that X chromosome. So somehow or another, Y chromosome got entered And I understand that this is all about miracles. But I have to say, I do find this to be interesting.
1: Yeah. No, it's certainly something that's a interesting topic of conversation. But at at a certain point, you, you know, it's, it's elephants all the way down. And you just have to say, eh, I don't know. At, at least not for my me. turkeys,
3: not my elephants.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know that story, right? The, um, I, uh, it's a, I'm going to do a very bad job of telling it, but for our listeners, that uh, there's an old woman who is arguing uh, with, a, you know, a scientist, and she has a, a belief from her culture that the world is cre- is created on the back of an elephant. And uh, and this, this uh, kind of modern scientist is trying to say, well, of course that's not true. The world couldn't be on the back of an elephant because what is the elephant standing on? And she says, well, another elephant, of course. And he <laughs> says, well, what is that elephant standing on? And she says, don't try and confuse me. Everybody knows it's elephants all the way down.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so at a certain point, I think for people of faith and, and you know, as, as much as Gnostics rely on Gnosis and knowledge and all that stuff. We we are still at the end of the day people of faith. Uh, you know, there's uh, there are some questions that I don't think we'll ever have answers to, and I, I think that's okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the kind of the kind of cliche or stereotype that uh, the Gnostics are are arch her- uh, are arch heretics uh, that 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 holds out even until this day. Right, that, uh, mm-hmm. that if you beat someone, they're like, "Oh, well, you must believe all sorts of crazy things that you could never agree with the mainstream church." I'm going to get that on my in-
1: business card. Arch yes. heretic.
2: Arch <laughs> heretic. That that is going to be the new title I'm going to make up. It's going to be Deacon, uh, Deacon Brother Arch-Heretic, Jonathan. Uh, but the. Um, um, where oh sorry. Where did my caboose thought fall off. That's okay. <laughs> oh right, yeah. So the, the, this cliche that the Gnostics are heretics, but uh, a, a lot of Gnostics, I mean, when, when you talk about their their Christologies and what they actually believe about Jesus, it is the, the traditional view of the Church, the hypostatic union that that that, that Jesus is a, an equal mix in one identity of divine and human. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a lot so, of people. So a do. Lot of, A lot of Gnostics believe that, and that's great, and it's more or less what I believe, but as I said, my beliefs fluctuate. But what I find really interesting about that, where most Gnostics I meet believe that, um, I I would say maybe a majority, uh, at least millions of Christians proclaim that, but don't actually believe it so so a lot of like left-leaning uh, progressive Christians United Church of Christ, United Church of Canada uh, uh, liberal Anglicans, liberal Catholics would, would be like you know, Jesus Jesus was a dude right he was he was a human mm-hmm. and a lot of evangelicals of course would, would fight to the death saying that, that Jesus is equally human and equally divine but if you if you uh, said something like oh well Jesus he he had bowel movements, right? Or he had sexual feelings or he had all these human things. I'd be like, no, no, of course he didn't. They'd, yeah. they'd be shocked. So mm-hmm. I, I find it really funny that the that the, a lot of the, the quote-unquote mainstream Christians would or really, in a way, are, are more radical because they believe in a much more human or a much more divine union than what their church actually teaches. Mm-hmm.
1: The uh, going back to a point you made earlier about docetism, um, mm-hmm. the the Jesus doesn't poop theory. Uh, <laughs> so, I I actually don't see that almost at all. For, no, I don't. I mean, I don't see any. Uh, I don't know of any modern Gnostics. Please speak up in the comments or, or the uh, Facebook page if you if you do believe that Jesus was not actually a human being and he was purely spirit. Um, you know, I, I've just I've just not run into anybody. I don't think it's outside of the realm of uh, you know um i i 'll say logic for uh for for a gnostic to have a, to hold a belief like that but i just don't know of any
2: well there's one prominent bishop and uh i don't and uh and he only hints at it in his writings and uh and i don't i don't want to say that he holds he holds the Tacitus view um but uh in case in case i get it wrong somebody please correct me in in the comments but we 'll call him uh but he's very prominent we'll call him uh he's a, he's a former We'll call him Bishop um, Hefensteller. and uh, and I if, if, if I, if I am reading his writings correctly, that he is he is a Docetist. He does he does seem to believe that uh, that that uh, it, but uh, that Jesus uh, was was a completely spiritual being, uh, and and so were some of the other important lights of Gnosticism, like the Prophet Manny, who, mm. who he holds it in great in great uh, regard. But it's um, but to back you up, Father Tony, um, as far as I know, uh, he might be. Like that—that that is something almost completely missing from modern Gnosticism, and mm-hmm. uh, and I might be getting his beliefs wrong, and as I have said, I, I could be reading him incorrectly, but that's that seems to be what he hints at in his writings. So that, that he's the only one I can name, mm-hmm. and most Gnostics that I've met, read, read about, or corresponded with, uh, none of them—they may hold a, a higher divine view of, of jesus a high christology but but none of them are Gnosticists. Mm-hmm. They, they they all believe jesus pooed. i really have to find out a better way to say it than that.
1: yeah well no that's a fine way to say it uh especially for this show uh, <laughs> so if if that is the case and if a, a bishop whose name may or may not rhyme with heffensteller uh, w- does hold that belief he put his phone number on our show a couple of weeks ago so you know somebody should give him a call
2: Yes. Yeah, we should. We, we should get clarification on that. So, but again, um, you know, the, what, th- this always drove me crazy when I was a kid, and, and I, I came from a very liberal tradition, so it didn't really matter what I believed. But I, I was familiar with the idea that that you had to believe. That Jesus was was both God and man equally, but in one identity, so not two people sharing the same body, one identity. Or you wouldn't go to heaven. And even as an eight year old, I was like, "What? What? Who cares? What? Why would he be- care that you have to believe that formula? You know, what? What God cares that you have to believe that formula?" Um, and uh, I find it very interesting that the so called heresies, the vast majority of them are all about or at least start with, and I'm talking dozens, maybe even hundreds, all start with uh, the identity of Jesus. So it's, he was, he was, he was just a dude. He was uh, completely a, uh, completely a divine being. He was 70% human or, you know, the kind of Nestorian view where, where Jesus and, and divinity kind of have two personalities in the same body. Yeah. You know? Schizophrenic uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Get in front of Jesus, um, but uh, you know we're, we're talking uh, uh, dozens and dozens of, of heresies over the last two thousand years that, that have caused wars and uh, huge intellectual thoughts. Uh, lots of ink has been spilled over this issue, and I, and I find it so uh, so fascinating that that is the root of heresy.
1: Right, and every uh, every argument or you know that has split the church, the universal quote unquote. Uh, christian church over the years have all been over christology uh you know all of the councils the the ecumenical councils they were all focused around questions of christology and you know uh santa claus punching arius in the face you know for having a a, a weird view of christology and, and it's just a it's just one of those issues that has historically been just really important <laughs>
3: That it has been, although, you know, there's been, uh, in recent years, there's been some, some, you know, fuss about the Resurrection as well, but that's an Easter special. <laughs> yes.
2: Right. I would love to do a Resurrection show because it's, it's another, something else I think about a lot and, and, and are really passionate about, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a few months. We'll
3: get there. We'll get there in a few months, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm also, as I said, you know, my, my beliefs are all over the place, but I, I really, um, I, I, I do, I, I do find that that uh, that appealing idea of uh, of Jesus somehow becoming the Christ, the same way the Buddha became a Buddha, the Buddha. Right. Well, mm-hmm. actually, the, the Buddha became a Buddha because uh, the Buddha taught that there's Buddhas before him and that there's Buddhas <laughs> after him. Uh, and the Gospel of Philip says that you could become a Christ as well. So um, I, I'm wondering what, if, if we could come back to that. If you guys could tell me a little bit more about your feelings, you know, can, can we can we reach the same state as as Jesus in this life, uh, or as a Christ, uh, as, as a Sotor, or uh, can we come close, or uh, is he unique in human history?
3: Well, if you believe that he was the third person of the Trinity, come in human flesh, um, that kind of, to a large extent, leaves us out. It uh, yeah. le- leaves that one possibility out. Um, so, you know, that would be that would be, you know, one one approach. Um, the other thing that I would say, though, is that if it's an issue of becoming a Christ or or, or be- Christ likeness, um, we have to consider that. We all also have a personality. We have our own characteristics. And so what my Christ-likeness or my it is may look very different than your Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, the fact that there are differences between humans um, can give us the possibility of many different images of what it is to be like Christ, or if you buy into the idea of of becoming a Christ, um, I'm still going to argue that it's probably going to look different from Jesus, Mm -hmm. whether you're talking about the historical man or the myth, Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a difference there.
1: But could that be because that work is now done and there's different work to do now?
3: Well, if you're – but if the idea is, is that we're supposed to become like a Christ, that's going to look different from, from Jesus. Maybe I'm not mis- – maybe I'm not understanding you.
1: Uh that yeah, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, not in the slightest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am hard to understand.
3: Um No you're not, it's just sometimes
1: I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle, smothered I am in secret sauce. I'm ignorant and stupid,
3: so here you go. I'm, huh? I, I can't I, I can't I accept my, your wisdom. 'cause I'm not primed for it yet.
1: I guess my I guess my question is like so <clears throat> there is this eternal principle. Called Christ. Let's just posit that for the moment. And that we all partake of it in some fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, The person called Jesus partook of it in a very specific way in order to show the rest of us how to do it, let's say. Mm -hmm. But it's still the same principle, but now that that work is done, of course it wouldn't look like that. You wouldn't, you know, gather 12 of your buddies and go walk around and, you know, be poor and, you know, walk on water and stuff, because that stuff is, that, that work is done. What it might look like is more of a, you know, um, social justice, feed the hungry, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, and and, and teach from what you understand, uh, as opposed to teach from what Jesus, the person, understood.
3: Well, yes, I mean, he's he's left us... The stories he's left, the teachings he's left, the sacraments, so it's us up to us to taste and see.
1: Yeah, and certainly the ancient Gnostics would have taken very much that kind of a view because uh, the, if you if you believe that some of the scholars the the Gnostics were kind of some Gnostics anyway were expected to write a gospel and mm-hmm. to you know teach based on their mm-hmm. own gnosis, which mm-hmm. you know in in a, a certain sense is identical with this Christ principle, you know, this knowledge of your inner divinity, your inner Christ is gnosis. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, everybody, I think that's something, that's something that Miguel says on his show all the time is, you know, write your own gospel and live your own myth. And I, I think he's, he's right on with that, that once you have this experience and once you are intimately aware of your indwelling Christ, then I think we all have an obligation to do that.
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: Bishop Ken,
2: uh, what what do you think uh, uh, about uh, about all us Gnostics becoming Christ's?
0: I would agree a lot with what I'm hearing from from, from Father Tony right now. Is that, uh, um, and also from Bishop Lane, I think that the manifestation of how that is represented in in us as individuals is going to look different. Than, kind of the the Yaheshua consciousness of of realizing Christhood. Um, I think that as Gnostics, we all, um, I think Father Tony put it pretty well earlier in the show. Is you know a lot of it is remembering. It is remembering this divine spark, this divinity within ourselves, more than learning. But it's remembering this. but that is going to become manifest in different ways, and you know, uh, like Father Stoney said, we're not necessarily going to grab twelve disciples and go walk on water and and take loaves of bread and fishes and feed feed the hungry. But th- that could be manifest in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, whether it is you know uh, you know uh, speaking out in social injustice, whether it is you know um, you know out there trying to teach others just to be. Better people and to love one another and to see that spark of divinity you know within the possibilities of all
1: and a youtube show
0: or exactly i mean you know well every you know i i think the way that this is manifest is it's going to be quite different in everyone but i think that as gnostics i think we all do accept that idea that there is this spark of something within us that we are trying our best to remember where it came from. And, um, and sometimes we get bigger glimmers than others, but I think we, we do realize that uh, um, that Christ kind of opened the doors, if you will, to kind of teach us his gnosis, um, but that it is an ongoing process that you know, we must experience for ourselves.
2: Um, uh, uh, to divert a little bit um uh, time uh, back to Christmas uh this is actually a huge diversion but uh, uh living that myth that uh that Christmas story is just so powerful, and uh just uh, as a culture we connect to it mm-hmm. and, and again if it, I, I think we would all agree and correct me if i 'm wrong if we could hop into a time machine. And watch Jesus' birth and it and it wasn't exactly like the Christmas story. We would still tell the Christmas story every year, right? We would tell the myth of it. So oh, yes. if he wasn't born in a manger, if there wasn't animals there, if there wasn't free wiseman and a star and, and everything. Um it it really does uh I live in a particularly secular city, I have particularly secular friends, and to see how much people connect to that mythological story of of the God man being born, that does and you know, not to get cheesy, but it warms my heart every season, you know, this is a uh, people still pop on the Charlie Brown Christmas special and, and thrill to, to Linus telling a uh, uh, reading from Luke at the end of it. Uh, and uh, where, you know, perhaps when Easter rolls around or some other major Christian holidays, people, they, they may bring in the, uh, they may bring the Easter bunny into their home, but they're not going to be uh, remembering some other aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do you guys think that, that that story connects so powerfully to people? The, the, the birth of the God-man and, and all these wonderful uh, attributes of that myth. The Inquisition. <laughs>
1: I think I think medieval Europe beat it into everybody's heads. Uh, no, uh, no, not really. I don't really think that. But um, again, and uh, you know, I hate to go keep going back to Joseph Campbell, but it, it, you know, he his teachings were so useful in this particular area that the 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 myth that surrounds this story, what true or not, you know, the myth that surrounds this story. Resonates very strongly with our own our own situation, you know mm-hmm. we identify you know i think everybody identifies in in a very specifically gnostic sense with the incarnation, whether they understand it that way or not i, I think that I think that this gnostic kind of undercurrent in the world is 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 always there it 's just not always front and center so i I think that identifying with the incarnation, identifying with the idea that there is divinity within each of us, that we are, we are a part uh, of this story in a very real sense. I I think that's what's, that's what does it. Yeah.
3: I think that people also identify with a story of birth. Mm -hmm. We're all born. Yeah. And there's something, you know, when when a person contemplates it, it's it's this, this this young family forced by empire to travel at a precarious time,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, to and you know and, and you have this, this child being born in a situ- far from his mother's family, um, and because of empire because of empire. And he's, and there he is being born at an inconvenient time in a painful and bloody way as all births are. And I think for many of us, um, that that's just a very, we can resonate with that. We can resonate with birth. We can resonate with being far from home, from being forced by outside forces into a position or a situation that we would rather not be in. And um, I think a lot of that resonates with us. Yeah. Also, the, think,
0: the the humbleness. I'm
3: sorry. The humbleness, I'm sorry. No, it just, it's, it's 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 we they, we do come back, and it's cliche, but people come back to the idea of a king being born in humble surroundings, mm-hmm. having donkeys for midwives. Um, you know, um, we're, we're, we're 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 you know we we consider that as well. This was. The way that probably a lot of children, probably the vast majority of children who have ever been born have been born in similar circumstances, not in hospitals, not with life-saving equipment on hand, but in a home or outside of a home um, with limited intervention. And this is a very universal thing.
0: You know i was just going to add you know um you know again sort of on this birth principle is that uh you know i, I think it's universal i mean we were all born <laughs> you know all of us here were all born we are all someone's child um you know anyone who's a parent or in my case assumed to be you know grandfather um you know there is a certain excitement at the birth of a child there's a, there's an innocence of a child um um kind of off the subject and kind of tacky and corny but you know there was the Will Ferrell movie you know Talladega Night's you know and he keeps you know throwing up in there you know about the cute little baby Jesus you know you know in swaddling clothes and not the angry bearded Jesus you know um but, you know, there is, you know, a little bit of truth to that. You know, you know, uh, you know, uh, anyone who's been around, you know, uh, if they've got even not their own children, but if they've got a brother, a sister, a cousin with their, you know, with their baby, how many times have people experienced that? Oh, let me see the cute little baby. Let me hold the baby. there There is there's a lot of that innocence factor there. And the idea, again, of divinity manifesting itself in something that cannot protect itself. I mean, it's a baby, you know, it has to be protected by its father, by its mother, by its, by its community. But yet in this story, in this myth, you know, it's kind of in the worst conditions. As Bishop Peterson said, this, this, this young mother is away from her family and her town and her community, and she's being thrown by the empire into a different into a different place than where she is. So I think that the story of of this child being born in these types of conditions, I think, is very, very appealing to, dare I say, you know, to to the maternal instincts in in everyone,
1: you know. Yeah, um, the Gospel of Thomas 29 says, Jesus says, if the flesh came into existence because of the spirit, it is a marvel. But if the spirit came into existence because of the body, it is a marvel of marvels. But as for me, I wonder at this, how this great wealth made its home in this poverty. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here with this, you know, humility of you know, <coughs> divinity coming down and being born into regular, a regular old person, you know, and, yeah. and coming to dwell with us in poverty and, and figure out what that means and, all, and the whole thing.
2: It is a, an extremely Gnostic uh, uh, myth when you look at it uh, from that angle. And um, it, it also, to uh, kind of build on the, the kind of Gnosticism uh, of it, uh, I mean, what happens right after Jesus is born, uh, uh, a big part of the Christmas story is uh, King Herod comes and tries to kill him, right? And you can yeah. look at that, you look at that, literally there's those archonic forces. Divinity has come into the world and they right away try to snuff it out and look at it more mythologically and symbolically, what happens when you start to give birth to your inner divinity? Well, you know, the archonic forces, the oppressive forces of the world, uh, the modern king, Herod, and there are many different forms. uh, Try to snuff it out.
3: Yeah, there's a fourth-way teacher I I read um, who's not part of the Gurdjieff Foundation, but he's an independent fourth-way teacher, and he said that in his experience, sometimes when a person who enters into the Gurdjieff work, is uh, is struggling with their false personality, and they're trying to emerge in, in, from that false personality. That they may become suicidal because the false personality will, you know, kill itself before it gives itself up, before it right. surrenders. Um, so I think you've made a, you've got a really great insight there, Jonathan.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, and also that's uh, you, you'll have to send me that that uh, that teacher or that quote because that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, going back to the specifically kind of Christology, there's something else I want to ask you guys about since uh, you know, you you've been in Gnosticism for so long, you talked to so many people, but I I'm also really interested about like I find Gnosticism so fascinating because it, it's a relatively small religious movement. Uh, But it has such a wide influence, Uh, you know, artists love it, and you can see it popping up in uh, um, um, uh, different fictional works. Uh, But um, even though it's very small, it's fairly well known, and there's a lot of stereotypes about it that perhaps, you know, modern Gnostics would disagree with. And what I find very interesting is that the ancient Gnostics taught that, that Jesus was was straight up a dude, right? He was just a man, a good man. And you find this in the kind of um, uh, Dan Brown, right? He, mm-hmm. he said that the Gnostics taught that, that Jesus was just an enlightened spiritual teacher, but was not divine. Uh, and I just read that new book, The Lost Gospel, uh, which actually talks about the, the Gnostics a lot, that claims uh, Jesus was married because they secretly decoded a text that we've all had for twenty five hundred years and has you, not been lost.
1: You read that on purpose.
2: I read it on purpose. <laughs> it, it is. It is just the worst garbage. It, it. You know that was my. That was my sacrifice. Yeah, was thank you for biting of,
1: that bullet for us.
2: Oh well, please, please avoid reading it. But I was dismayed about how much he does reference the Gnostics in it, uh, um, and, and there is a—it's a very strange book because one of the co-writers actually is um, a university professor and knows stuff, so you can tell. Like when, and you can tell when, like he, he said, "Oh, you know, put this in because it's right," and then you know the other co-writer who, who seems to be a bit of a, um,
3: a BS artist
2: Sensationalist, sensationalist BS artist uh, uh, took it and, and completely uh, moves it around to to something that is uh, just painfully incorrect. It's it's you know it's it's so it's so terrible. It's not even wrong. That's how wrong it is. Uh, anyways, so in, in that book they talk a lot about the Gnostics and how uh, how the Gnostics taught that, that Jesus was was just a man. You know, obviously not just a man, but he wasn't divine. I was wondering uh, what you guys think of that of of, of that cliche. Why you think it's it's a cliche in our modern culture? And if you've experienced that with some spiritual you know speakers coming to you, maybe after having read Da Vinci Code,
1: I've not. I, I don't. I can't point to a Gnostic text, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of them, and I might be forgetting, but I can't point to a Gnostic text where they said that Jesus was just a dude who was really smart. Yeah. Um, every Every Gnostic text that talks about Jesus refers to him as a divine being of some sort, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I don't know where that comes from. Um, I mean, I know where it comes from. I don't know how it gets attributed to the Gnostics other than, you know, the the, the meta-heretics that we are, that, you know, we get kind of, you know, they lump in everything with us.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know. Can you guys think of any of the Gnostic texts that
0: teach that? Not off the top of my head, no. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Um, I mean, not to that think that, of one example that um, doesn't.
1: But, and I don't want to say that that rules it out as a as a Gnostic concept. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I just can't point to a source that says that. I don't think that modern Gnostics are forbidden from believing that.
3: Oh. Well, you know, and I think that sometimes people will say, "Well, he was just this enlightened dude," and they they tie this in with him being married to Mary Magdalene. Um and it's as if there's some contradiction between being a spiritual being and, and having a spouse, right um yeah, which is i you know again i you know we have throughout all kinds of mythologies the notion of god's having spouses, so I really don 't want to know what they're thinking of there, and they they may want to go see an analyst because <laughs> I think it tells us a lot more about them than it does about Jesus,
2: yeah i I find it's a big cultural stereotype, and and, and uh Father told you when, when we're talking about where it came from. Do you think it just straight up came from Da Vinci Code? Does it predate that? No, or? no,
1: I, no. It's. I mean, it it goes way back. Uh, you know, people are people, and and they come up with all kinds of interesting ways to interpret things they don't understand. And, and I think this is just one of those things that s- some people came to, but you know, we do have a lot of Gnostic texts, but we don't have so many that they're. Well, I mean, I guess this we let's not get into the whole, you know, uh gnosticism as an invalid category argument because I think that's <laughs> we don't have time for that. We only got 5 minutes left. So, uh, you know, but I think if if you ran across a text that had that as kind of its primary thing, uh, I don't think it would get lumped into the category of gnostic texts. You know, I think it'd be called something else.
2: Yeah. And and I believe we did have heretics who basically thought that from, like, you know, the second century. the the Ebionites who, who were mm-hmm. uh, Jewish Christians, but they're, they're definitely not Gnostics. So mm-hmm. um, since we are running out of time, I'm going to completely change the context again. I, there was a quote I meant to put into the notes tonight, and I just want to read it because it was my favorite quote, and I spew it out all Christmas until everybody around me wants to throw up. But it's from Meister Eckhart, and it's, We are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. And that kind of sums up the Christmas story for me. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, uh, gosh, so many other things that I want to bring up, but I don't think we have time. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So real quick, um, I next year. I know. I yeah, know.
2: yeah. And there's also the new podcast, Talk Gnosis After, After Dark, After Dark. <laughs>
3: Talk- Elephants all the way down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Elephants all the way down.
1: Talk Gnosis early in the morning.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh All no, right. okay. No, well, then- you don't want that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need at yeah. least a pot of coffee of me to even have even a little bit of discussion.
1: Coffee, cigarettes, and talknosis? Well no it's <laughs> cigarettes.
3: <Jen>. <laughs> <laughs> Babe.
1: Uh, so uh since um something seems to have gone wrong with the YouTube channel anyway, I think it's now a good time to wrap things up. Uh any any parting parting shots anybody wants to make? Uh, no. Okay, great. Then,
3: Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas Merry
1: everybody. Christmas. And you know it would be a great Christmas gift to get for somebody that you're hard to get person on your Christmas list. You could sign up for a Patreon sponsorship in their name uh, for the new Gnostic Wisdom Network. So please go to patreon.com slash Gnostic. And you can pledge a little bit of money. And every time we put out a video or a podcast, uh, you will give us a little bit of money. And it will all add up to one great big amount of money that we can Eventually, uh, you know, buy some really awesome equipment and do some great new shows and things that we we want to do for you guys. So please do visit – Patreon <laughs> and, and, and the hosts really desperately <laughs> want Macintosh computers for some reason. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, patreon.com slash Gnostic and thank you to all of our current – patrons we really appreciate all of your donations okay. to date and, uh, and we're putting them to good use and for everybody listening along at home we will see you next week.
3: Take care everybody.
0: Good night everyone.
1: This has been a production of the Gnostic NYC Network. For more information about this and all of the Gnostic NYC Network's programming, visit GnosticNYC.com. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Gnostic NYC, Talk Gnosis, or any other organization. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike 4.0 international license.